And, and that's what we're hearing from most people here today. It sounded like a freight train tearing through downtown. Right. Declared a uh, statewide state of emergency and called up the National Guard. We'll have what happens to a town in the aftermath of a disaster when the news trucks are gone and donations dry up? Morgan O'Neill is co-founder of Recovers.org, an online tool that enables communities to coordinate post-disaster recovery efforts. She and her sister, Katria, realized the need for Recovers.org in 2011 after a tornado hit their hometown. Yesterday's tornado tore up downtown Munson. Dozens of buildings were just ripped apart. Take a look at the first church along Main Street. My sister and I had never individually planned to have anything to do with entrepreneurship in our lives, I think. It had just never crossed our minds. And then on June 1st, 2011, an EF3 tornado cut my hometown in half in western Massachusetts. So this was a surprise to everyone, um, including myself, and I know a little bit about these things. Morgan is currently pursuing her Ph.D. in atmospheric science at MIT. Dutch Leonard is a professor at HBS and the Harvard Kennedy School, where he's faculty co-director of the Program on Crisis Leadership. Morgan and Dutch, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Tell us about the immediate response. The night I showed up, uh, Wednesday night, when you could still smell the trees and the sap and the burning from the wires, uh, I, I stood outside of my house, and maybe at around 11 p.m., a caravan began down, like into the town and down Main Street into the valley. And it must have been composed of maybe 30 different towns, ambulances, and fire trucks. And I just saw town name after town name, places that I knew were three hours away. Wow. And it was just this slow, steady caravan of, of rescue. Amazing. And it was beautiful. And I felt safe, and it was great. I mean, there was plenty more chaos to come, but, but there was lots of first responder-type help immediately. This country, I think, has figured that out. Um, it's, it's, it's the second disaster, if you will, of, of donations and organization and data and, and meeting of everyone's course. needs that, that is really bananas. So for a couple of days, my sister and I just helped our family out, tried to figure out where we were going to sleep the next night. And then we realized uh, that the town actually was really struggling to form a, any kind of cohesive response at all because of the particular challenges. Uh, no one was coordinating the refrigerators and the bags and bags and bags of clothes that were just being dropped off on the main church's front lawn. Mm -hmm. No one was in charge. So we started arranging and organizing things. We, we took all of the data of volunteers coming in with different skills, and we put it online. We opened up a Google account. We used Google Docs to make everything searchable and saved. Uh, a friend drove in and helped us set up a Google Voice account, mm -hmm. which became the town's hotline because there was no other phone number to call to get any information, whether you wanted help or, or you wanted to help. And so that Google Voice number actually piggybacked on my cell phone uh -huh. for 10 days, which was horrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was so impressed by how much people were willing to give, but I think the missing piece was organizing them in a way that honored all of the data we could get. All right, Dutch, you've looked at the crisis from an analytical perspective. Where does recovers.org fit into the larger disaster relief picture? Well, that's a great question, Brian. And I think what, what Morgan and Katria have been discovering is something that's been a gap in our national emergency response for a long time. Um, as Morgan just observed, we've got a pretty good first responder uh, ability. So the National Guard shows up quickly, the police establish command over the roads, and we get that sort of response and the life safety response. When someone's trapped in a house, the rescue converges on that. And, and so those issues, I think, are pretty well addressed. 
The problem is that once you've stabilized the immediate life safety issues, there's no one organization who's sort of now in charge of organizing the rest of what has to happen. And an enormous amount of work remains at that point. A lot of people want to help, and they have skills and, ba and commodities and things that might be useful, although they often don't know exactly what's needed. And then there's a bunch of people who are trying to figure out what their needs are, and there's no way to match those. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very uh, sort of haphazard process. And what, what they've done is to invent a social technology, a platform, in effect, that is, that is very general and that allows for that matching to take place. So how does the tool work? What does the user see when they log on? You'll see three main buttons, and they are, I want to give, I want to volunteer, and I need help. Once you click on one of those buttons through our form, it goes into a database that can be cross-referenced against all of the other answers in that same database. So if I have a family of six and we need a, a child's bed for the home that we're staying in for a month, um, I could type in, you know, child's bed, and perhaps someone has donated just that or offered one of those days before or weeks before. The, we, we're also trying to fix the time lag problem where all of the interest happens early and then all of the needs come later. Mm -hmm. Is the data available to anyone or is it protected? As soon as we started working in Munson, we saw infrequent but extraordinarily bold fraud. And one of the things that we've kept in mind as we built this tool is protecting vulnerable people who are tired and desperate. So there, there's a lot of information that really shouldn't be seen by the wider internet, which is why we only allow access to trusted local administrators who then can say, oh, I see this family has this great need and this generous family is able to offer so much. Let's match them together. The world can't see that someone just donated a car, you know. Mm -hmm. So that, I think that's in the best interest of those who need the most help, and we protect them first. Even though it, it would seem very convenient and obvious to open up the database to the world, in our experience, that's, it's a pretty terrible idea for those who are just hurt by a disaster. Dutch, you do a lot of work with people in terms of planning for disasters. Um, talk a little bit about that. Well, this is one of the great challenges, Brian. One of the things that we know about the psychology of disasters is that sitting there and watching trauma repeatedly played to you on TV and not being able to do anything about it is not therapeutic. Being involved actually helps the people who are helping mm -hmm. in addition to the people who are being helped. So it's a, it's a huge social service to be able to allow these things to happen. In the aftermath, everybody's interested and everybody's involved. In before a disaster, everybody kind of understands that they should be doing more, but they have a lot of other current priorities, and they're, they're often too busy or too distracted by other things, and they think they can get to this tomorrow because they think they still have time before whatever the disaster is, and then all of a sudden the disaster is upon them. So um, one of the things that Morgan and Katri have been working on is trying to get towns to sign up in advance. And I think you've had a mixed, mixed success with that. Some are, are able to get their act together and, and do this, and, and others just can't quite uh, you know, find the, the time and attention to, to put into it. We generally pitch to municipalities and say, hey, local government, this is a really great tool you should consider paying a, a very small subscription annually so that it's ready and, and familiar and full of your local info once something happens. That's a good pitch, but part of what we're selling is the fact that other organizations will help out if you allow them a tool to, that 
uh, helps collaboration. Mm -hmm. So we're saying, uh, if you get this tool, we'll also sign up all of the churches and the United Way and the local Red Cross and the Girl Scouts and the schools. You know, let's get everyone who's going to respond anyways using the same tool so that your burden of response is reduced. Morgan O'Neill of Recovers.org, Dutch Leonard of Harvard Business School, thank you both for joining us today. Thanks so much, Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to The Business. I'm Brian Kenny. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, as well as on our website at www.hbs.edu news.